mean, traditionally, science fairs are a father-son thing. Well, scientifically, traditions are an idiot thing. Oh, uh, just ignore that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, welcome back to the What's Happening podcast. Um, today, I have Gary Devaney on from the Think Curiously podcast. And, you know, if you haven't checked it out, check it out. Um, obviously, when I share this episode, I'll put stuff out and links to it and stuff so you can go check it out. But Gary's come on today to talk about tradition and social norms basically and when we're talking about tradition and social norms we're talking about what we don't like about them i suppose um why we think they're absurd different you know sort of absurdities basically just observing social traditions and laughing at them um and then maybe some we agree with as well so the first thing i'll say to you gary is what is one social tradition or social norm or whatever that comes into your head that instantly you know Get you fucking fuming. Um, it is the question: Are you married? Do you have yeah. kids? Because it's almost like a an expectation. Because of my age, I'm 33. Yeah. So the, the majority of people who would speak to me <clears throat> would expect me by that age to have a family, to be settled down, and uh, that just riles me. It just absolutely yeah. annoys. <laughs> Gets to the point. You know that point where you can feel your you feel your re- your face getting <laughs> yeah, red. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're getting frustrated. Fists are clenched. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that's where it gets to for me because it's just like, why do you expect? Why do you think for a start that I should be doing that? Yeah, what makes that the right thing? Yeah, yeah. And uh, secondly, when I do give my opinion and when I tell you that I'm not, why do you act surprised? Yeah, you know, wh- why is that <laughs> yeah. expectation even there? And I think it comes back to just being, you know, we're, we're a, a small country for a start. I come from Coleraine, which is a relatively small town. I come from an estate. And everyone knows everybody's business. Yeah. Right. And that, that kind of like, I think that fuels it in many ways. And then working in a bank fuels it even more because people see that as like a part of the community. You know, you've got to yeah. speak about those kind yeah, of things, yeah. right? And that's where it just, obviously in work, you got to put a professional face on yeah. and just sort of, but see outside work, I'm like straight <laughs> at it again. Like you will not let me stop talking yeah. about this yeah, <laughs> if you yeah, start yeah. on it. So like, yeah, that's. that's yeah. Cool. I think to be fair, I, I do agree with you on that. agree with you on that one. I mean. When I was younger, like my sort of early, like sort of A-level days and stuff, I was very much, you know, like I'd still class myself, you know, as left wing, but I was a lot more like sort of left wing than I am now. You know, I was sort of the type to be like, abolish abolish marriage, it's fucking, it's patriarchal, it's, you know, it's a sad, ruined tradition, you know, the family is the life breeder of, you know, millions for corporations, you know, people get married, the man goes out to work. The woman stays home, raises the kids. You know, it's the perfect structure for like making rich people richer. Now I don't think that, but I still don't like, you know, the perception that everyone should get married. And I like personally, I've nothing against marriage myself. You know, I don't think you know if you want to get married, get married. If you don't, don't. But I agree with you in the sense that it shouldn't be an expectation. You know, it's like I always get when I was younger. I think I mentioned this in a previous podcast. That's the same with playing football. You're asked, like, I don't play football. My brother plays football and stuff. I don't. But when you're younger, like, in school and all, and, you know, especially in your teenage years and stuff, people would always ask you, instead of, you know, are you married, they'd say, what football team do you play for? And you're like, I don't play football. Do you know what I mean? And they're like, what? What What do you mean? You're you're a teenage boy. What do you mean? You don't play football? And you're like, well, I don't play football. It's not like I do ballet, but, like, I just don't play football. But, like, even if it did do ballet, so what? But I agree with you, I think, with marriage. It is one of those things people just expect you to do. They expect you to get married. I mean, I suppose the whole expectation is go to school, 
get a degree, you know, get a job, a ro- probably like the ideal job, you know, like doctor, lawyer, that sort of thing, like in a bank and all, you know, like respectable, blue, like cut white collar sort of job, have kids, die. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, you see, the funny thing about that is like, I'm the first in my um, family to go to university. Yeah. If natural family, called, not, not married in family, yeah, just being yeah, okay, yeah. into the family, but the first one to go to university and get a degree and <clears throat> that was never an expectation, right? So I never really felt the burden of that or that yeah. I had to do that, but I can see how some people might decide yeah. they're, they're, they feel that pressure and they just do it and they're not happy because of that. And I think that would be a crazy situation to be in just to do something to make other people happy. And yeah. I think that's the danger, the danger of, of, of conforming to social norms and traditions yeah. that you don't agree with is that you do it to make everybody else happy. And then all of a sudden your life is completely miserable. Yeah. Like, I, I know people <laughs> oh, sorry, I. Who, yeah. who I just look at and I go, why are you even doing that? You know, what is it in your head that that makes sense? Um, and I think that comes from not having the ability to go against that and take the risk of the saying, you know what? I'm not going to do what yeah. you think I should do. I it's the easy way out. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, but the other side of that too is that you mentioned earlier on about, um, about the marriage and about the house and about the home and it kind of being that white collar job and the expectations based upon that. That's an easy route to take. Yeah, it is. Yeah. You know, you're not going to get tried and proven. Yeah, yeah. And you're not going to get a lot of resistance, right? No. Because if the family expect you to do that, then off you go. But as soon as you decide to do something completely different to that or just slightly different to that, you start getting yeah, people. Yeah, it's like, oh, your, what the fuck? What? Yeah. Yeah. And 100%. it almost becomes like, um, like a target in your back in many ways is that we are going to talk to him so much about what he's not doing and should be doing that we hope that he'll really eventually yeah, change to do yeah. what we want him to do right <laughs> so i think it's like a some kind of weird form of mental kind of prison yeah yeah it really is it's kind of like it was just like meme like i like i do a lot of like in my instagram account is just meme pages is all i follow because i think memes give a very good you know they're basically just like life satire do you know what i mean and there was one where it was like basically you know like the written memes and it was like me or on a plane and someone's dying and someone shouts oh i need a doctor and then it's like my dad turns around to me and says that could have been you what are they going to do with a graphic designer do you know what i mean they're not calling for a graphic designer to help them and you're like it is that perception of you have to do one of those jobs you have and like i went to inst you know um for a levels and i went to laurel hill first to fifth year both you know laurel hills is you know, state school inst is, you know, one of the like premier grammar schools in the country. And see, but in, in both situations the expectations were different. But in both situations people were driven by the expectations of their parents. So like in Laurel Hill, first to fifth year it was ah, oh, you want to play football, you want to get a trade, you wanna, you know if you're doing if you're smart, go ahead. If you're not, you know, you want to get a trade, get your head. You know what I mean that way? In inst it was very much like I knew a guy. So I done, you know, obviously like A-level economics. And in my A-level economics class, it was split into three key people, like sets of people. There was me and like sort of my mates in the middle who enjoyed it, but we weren't like hardcore. We were just doing it, you know, as a subject. Like I didn't know I wanted to do it at university then. It was just, I didn't want to do maths, but I wanted to do something maths orientated. Then you had the people on the left who were like elite, you know, their mom and dads were maybe bankers or accountants or doctors you know, dentists, you know, came from money, wanted to make money, were there to make money, were there to use economics as the only route to make money. And their parents were to push them down, you know, that route. Then there were guys on the other side, like there was one guy in my class, he's probably listening to this, 
he's a good mate of mine like and i remember sitting in school and i was like what do you want to do and he's like oh you know i'm gonna to go to uni and do finance and i was like why you're just gonna be stuck doing a job nine to five monday to friday and he's like yeah but i'll make loads of money and i was like yeah but you'll hate your life and he's like ah but it's all right i got the money and i remember and i knew for a fact he was pushed down that route by his parents you know like he had his xbox taken off him in third year you know and he was forced down the route of you have to work you have to study that's all the only route there is for you and i remember messaging him maybe second year uni being like how are you and he's like oh i'm on a placement year and i was like how is it he's like it's shit i hate it and i was like i told you so do you know what i mean and he laughed and all and like but he's like yeah you're right i definitely don't want to do this but he was forced down that route and it's the amount of people in ints that were going to be doctors wanting to be lawyers doing law all that sort of stuff because their parents did it like i honestly of i would say let's say 50 50 people in my year and inst went to do medicine i'd say out of that 50 40 of them done it because their parents were doctors do you know what i mean and did and they really want to do that well yeah. so, let's be honest some of them probably did yeah you know there's no denying that but there was definitely not all there's no way all of them wanted to do that but they just felt right it's the easy way out and maybe some of them felt as well expectation you know some of them maybe do it because they feel right my parents will be happy i don't really mind it i'm all right at it i'll do it and have an easy life but i think a lot of people in that sense do things like that because they feel the pressure mm -hmm. to prove a point like and the main example for that i think is like sport like athletes kids so how many athletes kids go into sport go into the same sport as their parents almost to try and prove a point mm -hmm. like you look at the maldini family his dad there's <clears throat> Paolo Maldini, his dad played at Milan his whole career. Mal like Paolo Maldini played his whole career. Now his sons are as well. You look at Formula One, Michael Schumacher. Now you have Mick Schumacher coming through. You know, LeBron James, you know, his, mm -hmm. like he's groomed his son. Whether his son wants to or not, he could do. But he's groomed his son to be an NBA player. You know, he's destined to be an NBA player. And it's kind of like, in that situation as well, do people do it to prove a point? Even if they don't want to, it's like, right, I have to be better than my dad. Mm -hmm. I have to be better than my my mom. I have to, you know what I mean. If I'm not, I'm nothing. And then they get stuck into doing something they don't want to do simply to prove a point. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, does it, does it come down to like the the as you said before the kind of hierarchy of of certain jobs and professions in society: doctors, dentists, whatever it may be in the in the banking system, where people look upon that and they say, "Yeah, my son's made it because he is a doctor," or my son is a respectable member of society because yeah. he is a dentist, you know what I mean? Whereas what about the son who, who's a lifeguard or the son who, you know, he's done all these other things that are just sometimes as important as what the other guy's doing, but he doesn't get the same amount of praise. It's not as perceived. Yeah. yeah. Um, funny enough, you were talking about uh, the expectation. Like when I went to university, 100% honest with you, as, as much as I sit in front of you, the reason I went to university is because I used to watch Hollyoaks, right? <laughs> I, swear, I swear to God. <laughs> I used to watch Hollyoaks <laughs> and I thought, that looks class. Yeah. That lifestyle yeah, looks yeah. class. And I went um, with the whole idea, literally just having a good time, like enjoying myself for three years. I never went to university with like the, the headset on of, of mindset of like, I'm going to do this degree, then get this type of job yeah. out of it. But I did meet people there who were there, like one of the guys I live with in third year, whose dad was like a property investor. Yeah. Um, like, I'll give you an example. He rolled up in third year with a convertible A3 and a private garage in the city centre of Liverpool, yeah. right? So... You can kind of guess where that story is yeah, going. Yeah, 100%. And I think he's now living in France somewhere, or south of France. But 
um, he was just there just to get the degree so that his father could employ him. Yeah. You know, there was yeah. no other reason for him being at university and he didn't enjoy his life. Yeah. He didn't seem to like, it just seemed to be like he was there. Like there was no natural sort of reason as to why yeah. he was there. Do you know what I mean? It was forced. That's what I felt like. it. if he's listening, I'm sorry, but that's how I felt. <laughs> no, yeah. But, I, yeah. I, the amount of cases I've seen, you know, of people doing stuff simply because their dad did it mm -hmm. or because their mum did it or, you know, their mum and dad have forced them down that route to do that sort of thing, I think is, you know, it's bad. Like it, it is. And I, my issue as well was when I went to university, there were so many people, because I'd done like a mixed degree, I was always in with, you know, there was a vast, vast difference between the people in a philosophy lecture that mm -hmm. I was with and the people in an economics lecture. The people in a philosophy lecture were a lot more sort of, oh, I'm here to learn. You know, what comes after that is irrelevant. I'm here for like the intrinsic value of learning. I'll take it from there after that. And then you went into the economics lectures and people were like, right, I need this degree to work in PwC. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? I need this degree to work in Deloitte. I need this degree to be, you know, a banker or a lawyer or, you know, that sort of thing. And that's, oh, I have to do that. I have no choice. You know what I mean? I don't even like it, but I'll do a master's in it anyway. And it was, you know, I'd sort of class myself as in the middle. Like I went to uni first and foremost with like the idea of getting an education because I mm -hmm. like, I just always like learning and stuff like that. But also, obviously, in the back of my mind, I wasn't going to pick a degree that was useless because I was like, if I'm going, I might as well pick something that could be useful. But it does, the amount of people just do that shit, yeah. you know, and get forced down a route that's seen as, you know, sort of acceptable. That's the same with nursing's a perfect example. And I think, like, I always wonder, it's the same with medicine. How do you know what you attain what you want to do? Mm -hmm. And for, I'll give you an example. Like, a girl I know doesn't know what she wants to do at all. Um, hasn't went to uni yet. She's like two years out of uni just trying to figure out what she wants to do. And she's just decided like, right, I want to be a nurse. Mm. Like my mate was like, why? And she's like, well, I don't know. I don't know what else I want to do. I'll just be a nurse. Because they assume, oh, it's a respectable job. I'll do it and people will respect me and it will be fine even if mm. they don't want to do it. Do you know what I mean? And I'm like, like nothing nursing of course nursing's a good job of course it is and if you want to be a nurse be a nurse but just doing it for the sake of doing it because you've not you don't know what else you want to do that like that definitely you know is one of the things that fucks me off a lot with societal yeah. norms is people just trying to <clears throat> comply with them for like as i've said you know like a simple easy you know life like just come home people just yeah he's a good lad he's doing that he's he's enjoying himself you know when he's not do you know what i mean he's fucking hating his life yeah he looks like he's enjoying himself to the outside. Do you know what I mean? It's just, I don't know. But then how prepared are you to, to step outside? That's the thing. Because yeah. when you do that and you voice your opinion, because um, I've had it, um, and you, you get you get so much back at you from so many people with the same sentences, the same phrasing. And it's not really until you step back and think about what they've just said. You, you realize, hold on a minute. You you sound exactly like the person who just yeah, spoke to me, yeah. and they sound like the person who spoke yeah. to me two years ago, like, and and that's the the thing for me is like, when I think about societal norms, traditions, stereotypes, however however you want to package it, it's like that is the easy, comfortable life to do, and like I said earlier on, stepping outside that sometimes can come with a bit of backlash, yeah. but I enjoy that part yeah. of it. You know, I I enjoy people you know, telling me to shut the fuck <laughs> up. Like I uh, I told you before we came on, like at university, so. When I went to university, I grew up in a predominantly loyalist estate, went to a Protestant school, primary school, 
went to secondary school, which was an integrated school. But when I went there, there only was three years, us yeah. plus two years above us because it was a brand new school. Ah, yeah. And all my way through that, obviously you're mixing with other people and stuff. But I went to university and I met this girl who was there, part of our group. And I seen her name on a piece of paper. And I honestly, I went, I, I, I tried to like say it out as if I was four or five. You know, like N I am um, and I couldn't get it yeah. until I, I met her and then somebody else said her name before me. I was like, oh, Neve. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> okay, so that N and I and A, that makes yeah. sense. <laughs> well, yeah. It does, doesn't, but still. Yeah, I know what you mean. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, but that, that comes back from me being in a, a, a situation, a society, a tradition, whatever you want to call it, a culture, in my sort of little cocooned bubble when I grew up, yeah. that we weren't exposed to any of that stuff on the outside. So when I went there, it was almost, you could essentially say, in many ways, it was either sectarian of me or I don't. Uh, I wouldn't mild, say that. Nah, I you wouldn't, know, I, you know, I wouldn't say it is. And I, I get, good example that I gave in a podcast I recorded that you know I said to you before that was cancelled. I remember reading a book on slavery at university, and it was a book full of first-hand accounts. And like there was so the first the first ever like European country basically to take in mass like slaves from Africa was the Portuguese. And there was this guy with a first-hand account of he was in a dock in like Portugal, maybe Lisbon, I don't know where. And this slave ship had came back from Africa. And on the slave ship were obviously African slaves that they'd taken. And the guy, you know, wrote this hand account about these, like, he called them, like, exotic animals and, you know, mad. Like, he was like, I've never seen anything like it. Mm-hmm. Now, it's all, it is all to do with perspective and, you know, sort of background, I think. Like, He's just called, you know, a human being an exotic animal. If I was to call a black person an exotic animal now, I would rightly so be deemed racist. But to him, because he'd never seen anything, he didn't know any better. Do you know what I mean that yeah. way? And I think in that case, you know, with like pronouncing Neve and stuff, you didn't, how are you meant to know? Like, for example, I, I know exactly what you mean. Like, I'm from a, you know, a lot, like a Protestant background, unionist background, you know. And my primary school was a unionist school and my high school was a unionist school you know even my sick like where i went for sixth form you know was slightly more you know north down but it was still like it was posh prod you know what i mean that way <laughs> um same idea it's just a different accent and uh you know there was there's some names even now that i look at and i can't i just don't know how to pronounce them and that's not my fault like i can't do you know what i mean like people will say oh that's sectarian you don't know how to pronounce mm. that like do you know what i mean that it's not. I can't be like if you know how to pronounce it and you deliberately pronounce it wrong, then yeah, you could definitely say that is. Yeah. But I, if you don't know, you don't know. Do you know what I mean? That's the other can't... thing. The other thing about that is though is it's it becomes stereotypical when we talk about norms and whatever else is like the stereotypical guy who grows up in a loyalist estate, then goes off to university and meets a name of someone who grew up in the same country as them from a yeah. different religion, and stereotypically he doesn't understand their name. Yeah. Do you know it's like yeah, and but. And again, that's maybe one of the ones where you're, you think to yourself, well, maybe if my education had been a little bit more diverse when I was younger, I probably wouldn't have fell into that trap. Yeah. Um, but I th- yeah, it was um, <laughs> it was a fun experience. It, no, I mean, honestly, the amount of times I've got myself and I know people who have, like the main one is, you know, people come over from England to university here. And basically I had a really, really deep conversation with an English guy in my course who basically asked me about like obviously like in queens you know there's a lot of like it's majority catholic and the majority of people there you know they like to wear like o'neill's and gaa gear and he basically said to me he's like 
do you not have any O'Neills with GAA gear? And then obviously that went down the rabbit hole of, mm-hmm. well, no, I don't wear it. And he's like, well, why? And I was like, well, I don't play Gaelic football. And he's like, does everyone not play Gaelic football? And I was like, no, only like people from a nationalist background, like majority play Gaelic football. And I, he was like, why? And I was like, oh, well, mate, do you want me to give you a whole 200 year history lesson here about why I don't? And I, I literally did. I sat down. He sat down. It must have been an hour long conversation. And then he sort of went, oh, okay. I would have never known that. And I was like, well, yeah, you're never taught it. Why would you yeah. know that? And it is, I think, when you go to different countries and you experience different things, you do realize that, you know, even your society, like, every nation, it's not even just, that's the thing that baffles me is, so we have a set of societal norms, right? If you're born in a unionist Protestant community, you have a set of societal norms that are seen as, you know, what should be done by a human being. If you go to you know, the Congo Basin in Africa, they're going to have a completely different set of societal norms. You go to, you know, Brazil, completely different set of societal norms. But everyone believes their societal norms are right and everyone else's is wrong. And that always baffles me. And it's the same with religion. It's like, no, there are hundreds of religions. Mine's definitely right. Why? Oh, well, (laughs) my people believe it, so it must be right. Do you know what I mean? That that brings you on to a question that, that I, another one that I, it gets my goat up in many ways, um, as well as the marriage and, and the kids one, is um, what church do you go to? Uh, I've had that countless number of times. And because I work in a bank and it's part of the community, it's a small town, and the, the community that, that sort of bank in there, there's a lot of churches and a lot of sort of that type of groups floating about. Paisley so, territory. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. So that's their kind of way. I understand that's their kind of way of opening up conversation. But what really annoys me is it's an expectation for yeah. me to say, I go to St. Patrick's, I go to whatever it is. When I go, well, no, I don't actually, I don't go, go to church. To church yeah. And they go, well, where do you go? I'm like, no, you've you picked this conversation yeah. up completely yeah. wrong here. <laughs> um, and I understand, as I said, that it's probably a conversational part on their, their part, but I wouldn't go to somebody, um, for example, what church do you not go to? Yeah. Do you know what? Just flip the question. Why Why would you bother doing that? You wouldn't, yeah. Just how's the weather or how are you doing today? Yeah. Or, you know, yeah, that, yeah, that yeah. kind of conversation. Um. Yeah, that's that's one that gets me I, too. Yeah, I. It's kind of like I like my granny. I think my granny's, you know, and I think it's more of a thing with old older people. They're a lot more religious, I think, mm-hmm. as a whole. And you know, my like I'm an atheist as well. And you know, my brother would go to my granny's house, and he'd always wind her up. You know, like my granny would say, "Oh, don't kill that. You know, spider. It's one of God's creatures." Yeah. And like I'm just like okay. But my brother, you know, trying to wind her up would be like, oh, well, God's not real, Granny. And she's like, how can you say that? And Alex is like, like my my brother will sit down and be like, right, well, blah, 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 rang up, rhyme off all this logical stuff. And my Granny will then be like, oh, right. And that's it. Doesn't acknowledge, you know what I mean? She's yeah, like, yeah. doesn't want to acknowledge it because like she's just been taught as a kid, right? God's real. And she's went, okay. And she's just accepted that he's real. And no matter what anybody tells her, she'll not accept any other answer. Do you know what I mean? And it is that, it's just that idea. It's the same, that annoys me in a census form, right? And it annoys me when labeling people, like I know I've said it today, but they'll always ask, what's your religious background? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, I'm not religious. Like people always be like, like I'll always say, like I'm not a Protestant. I'm a unionist. I'm not a Protestant though. And I remember having that conversation with my dad and he was like, what do you mean? How can you be a Protestant and not be a unionist? And I was like, what? I was like, Protestantism is a religion. 
it's got absolutely nothing to do with what my political views are. Like, yeah. do you know what I mean? But yeah. it's almost like... It's all more rolled into one yeah. in this country, isn't it? And I'm like, what? So, like, if I agree with, you know, with the Union of the United Kingdom, I have to believe in the Protestant doctrine. And I, I was like... But that's just seen as normal. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And it's the same with, like, getting married. People that aren't religious, religious, oh, you have to get married in a church. Yeah. We're not religious. Why? Do you know what I mean? Why but do you have to get married in a church? Here's here's one of the things that, that really got me going was um, my great aunt passed away in 2016. Now, Ruby grew up as like a house aide, never went to school, all right, wasn't educated. Yeah. So had absolutely no understanding of God, faith, belief, religion, none of that. Couldn't even spell her own name, yeah. right? Because back in those days, that's that's essentially what the, the eldest girl did was they looked after the house yeah. while the men went out and worked. and. In her funeral, she was lying in the coffin in the front room and this guy walks in and he starts sprouting off from the Bible and he said one, and like she's lying there and he said um, something to do with um, that God reclaims his slave or he was she was a slave of God while she was on earth or something along those yeah. lines. And I looked at my mum and my mum looked at me and she shook her head because she knew I was about to say something. Yeah. She was like, don't, don't. <laughs> and I didn't until afterwards. Yeah. And I just said, listen, I understand this is your job. But Ruby had absolutely no understanding that the God that you believe in is real. Yeah. She didn't know she couldn't spend her own name. Yeah. But yet you you assumed that you could stand there and use his its name, God's name, yeah. to say good things about her life yeah. and the way she lived her life. She knew nothing about it. Yeah. But he just in that moment assumed, but he didn't do his research, you see. Yeah. He just came up to the house thinking this is just gonna be an everyday service. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, 100%, and, that, yeah. and that just and like I say, when he left and I had that conversation with him, my mum was like, what do you say to him? I was like, I told him exactly what I thought. Yeah. <laughs> like, she, he's just doing his job. I, said, yeah. I know that's the problem. That was the problem. He was just doing his job without doing the research. Yeah. I, I, do you know what? You made a very good point. You said, I just told him what I thought, right? And that brings me on to another societal norm that I hate with a passion, right? Is people not speaking their mind. And don't get me wrong. You know, there are situations when it's like you shouldn't speak your mind. Like, just start a common courtesy like for example if you know there was i don't know like a wee kid walking down the street and he was like oh look look at me doing this and done a spinner or twirling some stupid mm-hmm. things kids do if you turn around and go you know what fuck off i'm not interested that was shit there's no need for that do you know what i mean but like certain other things that people do and just say yeah you like i hate see people talking behind people's backs and you know like it is natural to you know i'm not saying let's say you dislike somebody right i'm not saying if you tell your mates oh i hate him i'm not saying then oh you should just randomly text him i hate you or you should find him and say like just deliberately go to his house to tell him that what i mean is you know when someone like doesn't like somebody and then acts as their best mate when they see them yeah i felt so many ways yeah, yeah and i'm like but that that falseness is like a reality for basically everybody you know what I mean? Like, nobody talks their mind. And it's, you'll see on Facebook and Instagram, like, people post on Instagram, and you have all these people commenting under it, being like, oh, lovely chick, looking great. And you're like, then you, they go home and be like, oh, she's a dick. Did you see what she was wearing and all in that photo? And I'm just like, just tell them the truth. Just don't comment on anything. If you don't, yeah. don't comment anything in the first place. And, you know, it's kind of like sending Christmas cards as well. That irritates me. It's like, oh, we've always sent a card, so we just keep sending them, even though we haven't seen them in 20 years, yeah. to show that we're thinking about them. 
And you're like, well, you're not thinking about them. You're just sending them a card because you feel you have to. Because you feel they will have something negative to yeah, say to you if you, if you don't, don't. Yeah. If you don't want to send them a card, don't. Like, to me, I find that weird. Yeah. You know, traditions like sending Christmas <laughs> cards, um, you know, having like a birthday cake, like having to be the same cake. You know, it has yeah. to be a white cake, like like a Madeira cake with white icing and then the chocolate or the raspberry and cream inside it. You know, stupid, stupid shit like that really, really annoys me. Yeah, you see, like this time of the year in particular, like Christmas lights and trees and stuff in the garden and stuff. As you as you talked about earlier on there about the um the send the Christmas card, that's about social acceptance. Yeah. Right? I do that because it's socially acceptable to do it, and if I do that, they'll know that I'm buying into the yeah. the tradition of doing that. Whereas if I don't do it, I don't really care what you think, right? Yeah. And do you, if you send me one, you send me one. And if you don't, then fair yeah. enough. Yeah. But I, I totally agree with that. The other thing on that topic that that rattles me is that. Um, when you meet somebody and they ask you for your opinion and you give them your opinion and they don't like your opinion, then why did you ask for my opinion? Yeah. Right? Um, well, that, not so much if they dislike your opinion, it's fine. It's if they then get angry. Yeah, well, that's what I meant. Yeah. Sorry, yes. When, yeah. they, when they come back yeah. at you and they get angry, you're like, well, well, why did you ask for my opinion yeah. in the first place? You just wanted approval more than anything. Yeah, yeah. and it, because it's a rhetorical question in many ways. And it's, it's only because that's what they have been ingrained to ask. And expect a response of yes, that's great. Yes, that's good. Yeah. Blah blah blah. And I'm, well, if you ask for my opinion, I'm probably going to give you my honest opinion. Yeah. And sometimes, I mean, I've been in situations before where I've I've said it and I went, oh shit, I shouldn't have said that. And I thought, no, I should have. Yeah, they are. You know, because yeah. there's, there's that moment of you see it in their face, and you go, oh shit, I've said something I really shouldn't have said here. <laughs> and then when you think about it, well, well, I've actually asked for my opinion yeah. here. So yeah. But it would be socially acceptable for me to go, you know what? Yeah, it's fantastic. Well done. Yeah. Yeah. Of course it would, and it's. You know, it's that great film, you know, The Invention of Lion with Ricky Gervais. You know, that is that is up there. Like, that's a fucking brilliant show. Ricky Gervais in general, you know, brilliant, brilliant guy. Like, but I think it's kind of the idea as well with, um, you know, like my brother and I, we don't send Christmas or birthday card. What's the point? Right. We're both kind of like, that's a complete waste of time. Um, And I also think, you know, it is that sort of, I don't even, I'm trying to think of other small things like that that really irritate me. Like, for here's one, for example. When you walk across the road, right, at a zebra crossing, it if you don't, you know, wave to the person, it's seen as rude. It's the law. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I like why would you wait? Like, it's the law for them to fucking stop. You yeah. don't wave whenever you press a button on a red light and then the green man comes on. Yeah. Because it's the law. It's the law to stop at a zebra crossing, but people still, you know, proceed, oh, gotta wave at them, you gotta do this, you gotta do that. And you're just like, why? Do you know what I mean? It's stupid, yeah. stupid shit like that that fucking really, really irritates me. And it, I don't know why, but it is just small things like that. And it's, you know, it's the same with, and I can, like, I work in a restaurant and stuff. Everyone knows that. I fucking mention it all the time. But like, you're trying to plug here, are you? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> but like, fucking, the amount of times I'll be in a restaurant, right? And, you know, a customer, like, will be a dick to you, right? And it's the same with retail, same with any job, to be honest. And then you have to just suck it up. Or else you're in the wrong. And I'm like, how has that become the social norm? And it's one of those ones where I can't actually disobey. Because if I do, I'll get fired. You know, no matter what a customer says to me. Like, if a customer stood up and swore at me, and I said one swear word back, that'd be my head. Do you know what I mean? Well, that that happened to me last Friday in work. Not not the swearing part, but... We can only have a certain amount of people on the branch because obviously of the COVID guidelines, which is, if anyone's listening, it's five customers and four staff. 
Um, <laughs> so it was absolutely teaming it down last Friday. Yeah. Wind was coming crazy. Rain was going sideways. I had to close the door to stop people coming in so that um, we could keep social distancing. And this lady came to the door and she was like, ba- not banging the door, but she was like knocking on the door. And I could see her. She could see me. She could see those people in the branch. So I just kind of ignored her until I let the next person out. And she came in and she like right in my face. And she's like, what's going on? This, is a, this hasn't always been like this. I was like, we're in the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> yeah. Why are you wearing a face, face cover? And I said, yeah, yeah. why am I wearing one? Because we have to. Yeah. And she walked on up the branch and I, work, I, I worked with somebody else. And um, so I went with another customer and I could hear her going off on one. So under her breath, I just turned around. I was like, listen, if you want to make a complaint, you make a complaint. Because that's the 10th time I've heard that today. Yeah. And it's getting on my nerves. Yeah. And uh, the girls in work would, would know that I don't really keep my... Yeah. my opinions to yeah, myself yeah. and that happens because if I do then I'll just take it out in somebody else and I, yeah, you know what I mean that'll so be ten like, times worse and I don't I, I agree I don't conform to the idea that the customer is always right and I don't care what it is you're dealing with I don't care if it's a bank loan if it's at the supermarket or if it's at the garage if you say something and I find that I need to say something here I am going to say it yeah. r- regardless like we have a rule um, where silly rule where if you exchange money there's a certain process that has to go on and a customer came in to do that I've done it plenty of times before but decided he didn't want to, didn't want to be part of that process didn't want to give his bank de- details across and I was like well do you want the money or not it's a simple <laughs> question he was yes I said well you have to follow the process and I got a complaint against me but I, that, what are you meant to do like you, what am I, yeah, yeah. you've no other choice yeah I'm not going to sit there and let you Talk to me the way you talk to me because I, one, I'm not on a lot of wage. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't get paid enough to hear that stuff. And two, on a human level, what gives you the right to speak to me yeah. like that? Is it just because you think it's a social norm that I'm in a bank and I'm you're the customer yeah. and I'm the staff? You can staff. say whatever you want. You can say what you want? No, you can't. You know? yeah. And I fight that every single day. Yeah. Like I remember, it was over. it was the first lockdown was over and it was that, you know, that help out, date out. And like we'd been absolutely shafted, like I'm with no food, obviously. And this guy had been to like Tony Macaroni's just beside us. They had no food. And he'd been to Nando's and they had no food. So he's obviously frustrated. And he came into us. Now, bear in mind, it was quarter to nine on the last week of Help Out Deed Out. We closed at nine. So, like, we ran out of food in the last 15 minutes. And he came in and he's like, Are you still serving food? And I was like, Yeah, but we don't really have any food left. And he went off and one day was like, What do you mean you've no fucking food? You knew this was happening. Did you just not order enough and all? And I just turned around and said to him, well, one, it's got nothing to do with me. Mm-hmm. I don't order the food. Do you know what I mean? And two, like, it's the middle of a help out, eat out thing. Everything's half price when no one's been able to eat anywhere for like three months, four, it was like six months, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. I was like, we just, it was like, no matter what we'd done, we just couldn't get enough food in. It was just the demand was too high. And he was like, oh, are you telling me it's acceptable to not have food? And I was like, I, I was like, I just never said that. And then before he could say anything else, he just turned around and walked out. And I was just like, so many staff members would turn around and be like, I know, sorry, mate. You know, uh, it's it's not on. You know, we should have had enough food and all. And you're like, well, wait, it's not your fault. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, fuck them. Do you know what I mean yeah. that way? Like, you just got to sometimes say, and it doesn't even have to be to this extent where you have to like shout at somebody or get in a confrontation. Sometimes just, telling someone that no you know what i actually just disagree with you you know what i mean like it's almost like you work in a restaurant or something you're not allowed or like any sort of like thing where you're dealing with people it's like you're not allowed to disagree you're not allowed an opinion no literally yeah and i'm just like well i'll I'll give you one um on opinions uh, we were told at the start of last week that um we are not allowed to give personal opinions on the brexit 
yeah. um, procedure that's going on at the moment, obviously, because of the financial and economical, economic um, forecast won't look too good. So we've been told not to give our personal opinion. Yeah. So I was like, so you're telling me that if I'm just having a general conversation with a customer, like it's not about business, just ask me how I am and Brexit comes up, I've got to go, oh, whoa, 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 I can't speak to you about that. Yeah. That's, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to no. have the conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you want to have it, I'll have it. And that's censorship, which is a whole different kind of podcast. But again, that comes back to the the bank or whoever it is, your employer and the customer in many ways, feeling that they have a right to put you under a structure of rules and set a framework yeah. to say you can't do this, you can't do that because it looks unprofessional. Which yeah. is that another one is we've dressed down Fridays in work, you know, supposed to be um for a mortgage um appreciation day, right? You're yeah. supposed to set up mortgage and stuff. But we've been doing it all through the pandemic, dressing down on a Friday. And the amount of people that have mentioned it's not professional looking. And my my, my response is, whoa, whoa, did I do the job that you asked me to do? Yes. Well then what's the what's issue? What's that matter? What's the issue? Yeah. Money's in your bank. It's transferred to where you want to transfer it to. Does it matter if I'm wearing a tutu or a t shirt or a suit? No. It doesn't. <laughs> yeah. I have always, always had an issue with, you know, clothes and haircuts and especially in school mm-hmm. like i can understand don't get me wrong uniforms in school for identification purposes and you know i think it also helps with you know bullying and stuff because like if everyone was able to wear whatever they want the amount of people that would get bullied for what clothes they had you know if their parents didn't have stuff so i can understand the uniform aspect of school 100 percent. and i think being made to wear a uniform in school is on the whole better than being able to wear whatever you want but the issue I do have with school is with haircuts and stuff and like earrings and piercings and you're like, and jobs in general with piercings and earrings. It's like, so you're telling me I can go to university and get a first class honours degree in astrophysics with blue hair and an earring and a nose ring, but I can't work in Tesco's hmm. with that because it's seen as unprofessional. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like... I can, you know, be a world-class, like, multi-platinum selling singer or songwriter or whatever artist with, like, I can eat a bat on stage, you know, like Ozzy Osbourne, that's fine. Can have long hair down to my, my arse if I wanted. Tattoos, piercings everywhere. But I can't work an Ulster bank like that because it's unprofessional. I remember when I worked in Tesco's as an 18, 19-year-old, and they asked me in the interview, uh, did I have any tattoos? Why? And, you know, being a 18, 19 year old, I wasn't as, as strong and opinionated with my views as I am now, probably because of life experience. Yeah. Um, so you, you kind of go, yeah, I've got what, two in my arm, one in each arm. Right, okay, that has to be a long sleeve shirt or long sleeve t-shirt. And you go, well, fair enough. If that's, if that's a uniform, you just go yeah. with it. But you see if someone said to me now and said, I couldn't have a job because you're tattoos, I'd be like, I don't want your fucking job. Yeah. Stick it yeah. up your hole. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not going to go anywhere. The tattoos aren't going nowhere. No. Yeah, it's different if the tattoos are offensive. Yeah, of course. Like, but if they're just normal tattoos, I don't see, and it's the same with earrings, and I've never understood what makes having an earring unprofessional. Yeah. Like, and even the jobs are like, oh, you can't have a beard. Yeah, that's what. Like, what? That's a weird one. It's like, oh, well, you can't. You you have to be bald then. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, what? It's a natural. I was actually driving up and to uh, up to the to the podcast today, and on the radio there was a snippet about a girl in England, a black girl in England, who has now created a movement. Uh, about African American hair, yeah. Afro American hair, because she was saying that through school and through all job opportunities, they were asking her either A, is that real? And if it's a wig, can it be removed? And B, can it be tamed? And she's like, no, 
Yeah. It's my me. Natural it is me. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But she was getting turned down for jobs and she was getting um, told off at school and, 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 and taken out of class because of it. And I'm like, well, why? Is it because you don't think it looks professional? Yeah. What, like, who makes the definition of what yeah. is or not professional? I, and it's her own hair. Yeah. It's, <laughs> oh, mate, it's a joke. It's the same with my hair. Like, you know, I have curly hair and stuff and there's nothing I can do with it. You know, it grows out and it just sits on my head. Like, I can't style it. I can't, it's just the way it is. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And I think that brings on another thing of, you know, you like I said, so, sort of, you know, you don't think it looks professional implies that there is a norm that needs to be followed. And I think that's an issue in and of itself is, you know, who decides what is socially, like we all know what is and isn't socially acceptable. You know, you can't run down the street naked. You shouldn't, you know, you should always, you know, if someone's coming to the, the door, you should hold it open. Yeah. Um, You know, if someone walks past you and makes eye contact, you should smile or say hello. Basic shit like that. Which, to be fair, you would do it, I would do it, you know, common courtesy anyway. Yeah. But regardless, what made that become the social norm? Like, there's a, like, it's kind of the social norm as well. Someone gets old, right? And, you know, in Western society and stuff, the idea is, oh, well, you look after them. You give them, you know, maybe if you can care for them in their house, you care for them in their house. If not, you know, as they deteriorate further, you bring them to a, mm-hmm. a home. Then, you know, it's common courtesy. They go on a home. They're fed. They're looked after. You go and see them every now and then to keep them happy, bring them stuff. They live in this home and then they die. Mm-hmm. In there's a tribe in Honduras and I remember reading this in National Geographic a few years ago and basically when someone gets old and can't keep up they just hit them over the head with like a hammer or a stone and kill them. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But that's the, you laugh at that but like and people would write like in our society would think rightly that you know well rightly or wrongly I should say that oh that's horrible. Why would you do that? That's disgusting. How mm. dare you do that? And they would sit and be like, well, what? You just let old people wither and die a slow, painful and death suffer. and mm. suffer and pay loads of money to look <laughs> after them. Just because society perceives it as, you know, death is this horrible, you know, thing that mm-hmm. life is this thing to be cherished. And, you know, if someone wants, like, there's a guy, girl across the street from my granny lives and she's got... It's not motor neuron disease, but it's something along those lines. But it's not as like as fast killing. And she's had it maybe like 10, 15 years. And she has it, you know, in her will. And not in her will, obviously, but in like a, it's like a, well, what do you call them? Like an advanced directive. Yeah. She has it in like an advanced directive that if she ever gets to the point where like, whatever the point is, some tipping point in her like abilities that she wants her sister to take her to Switzerland to be euthanized. Mm-hmm. And my granny was like, what? Why would you want? And you're like, well, maybe you don't. Maybe you wouldn't want to, but someone else might. She has full control of that situation. And it's the same with, like, in Japan. Like, uh, seppuku. Like, you know, whenever, like, so if a Japanese general or whatever was defeated, you know, like a samurai general was defeated in combat, mm-hmm. you know, it was for them to die with honor, you know, they would have surrendered to the other general, would have laid down, stabbed themselves with, like, a this, sort of dagger thing and then the other general would have cut their head off mm-hmm. and that would have been seen as an honourable death and honourable killing and stuff and it's in The Last Samurai with Tom Cruise where basically he's like talking to the samurai guy that has captured him who he saw perform you know seppuku mm-hmm. and some other guy and he's like oh that like you have no honour you have no respect and he's like honour is a subjective thing you know to us I de- he wanted me to do that he wanted me to cut his head off that was the honourable thing mm-hmm. to do 
and he was like, I'm proud to have done that for him. Yeah. But it's like the, the story of Socrates and his death too. Yeah. You know, it's like, well, what is socially acceptable in that situation? You know, he was given two options, either yeah. freedom or death. Yeah. And he chose death. And, and then Aristotle done the opposite. Yeah. Yeah. For anyone that doesn't know, explain what Socrates did. Yeah. Because it's, it's a very, very I really I do like this. So he, um, he was convicted, not convicted, but he was accused of, I think I pronounce it properly, empathy. Yeah. Isn't it where you go against the beliefs of the, yeah, the emperor? the state or whatever, yeah. And he was given two options, really. He was given, um, he was actually, first of all, he was put in, in jail, wasn't he? And his... I've been to his, his, his cell. It's really weird. Oh, like, yeah. but, his, um, is yeah. it writings on the wall and stuff? Or is there... No, it's wall worn no, down wall now, like, yeah. but it's just a random, like, in the Acropolis, at yeah. the bottom of the, like, hill, there's just this random, like, sort of, like, sort of cave. Yeah. And just a, you know, like, sort of old busted fucking metal thing. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, he was just held weird as fuck, like, but... He was, he was held in there and his friend could have potentially got him out because he knew the guard or he at least tried to say to the guard, could you let my friend out? And I think there was an agreement in place or he could have potentially done that and he decided no. I mean, he, he pretty much said that the law is that if someone gets caught by this in society, this is the death, the pe the death penalty is, is the one you get. And his friends couldn't understand. Look, you know, you've got a chance at freedom here. And he's like, well, I just can't bend the law to suit yeah. me. Yeah, because he was always, it was, I think his idea was, I've always, you know, said in my teachings and my writings to uphold the rule of the law. Yeah. And he was like, I can't just then change who I am yeah. to save my life. But I think the interesting part of that is as he was dying, then he, he cut his wrist or cut his veins or something, didn't he? He slowly died in his... I can't even remember. I think he did with his friend beside him. And um, he was like, pretty much at that point, there was no going back. And he understood that. The point they were trying to make was, or sorry, his friend was trying to make to him was like, you are willing to leave your family and everything you have built um, just because, one, it's incorrect. You didn't do what you've been accused of. Yeah. But just to be, uh, just, just to be true to your morals. Stubborn. Yeah. Yeah. And he was like, 100%. Yeah. Because that's what I believe. But you're not, you can't equate it to today's society, obviously. No. But back then it was kind of, well, why would you even bother thinking about well, that? Well, I'll, I'll give you a good example. John McCain who ran for yeah. U.S. Senate or ran for president of the United States in the 2000s and also he was like up against Obama in 2008. Yeah. I watched a documentary on him um, called for, Ho for Whom the Bell Tolls. Really, really good. And it was basically, you know, he'd been diagnosed with terminal brain cancer. He had about a year left to live and, you know, they just let him in to talk about his life and stuff. And he, so he was running. If anyone doesn't understand how the American electoral system works, basically... For to become a president, you have to go through like primaries in every state for whatever party you're running for, and then out of whoever comes out on top of all those primaries is then elected as the presidential candidate for that party. So in 2000, obviously George Bush, who became president, and John McCain were like leading this sort of primaries, and it was them head to head to get the nomination, and they went to, I think it was Alabama, maybe somewhere like that, some southern state. And there was the big main issue was about the flying of the Confederate flag. And John McCain basically was asked, you know, out of nowhere, you know, what is your honest opinion? And he said, in the moment that, you know, he thinks it should be where it is, the Confederate flag should fly over like the state sort of government building. Now, that's not what he actually believed. He said that just, you know, to gain votes. And what he done was a few days later was he came out and withdrew himself from the, like, 
like presidential candidate candidate mm-hmm. race because he said that and he said you know i've always promised to be true to my voters true to my people i can't possibly continue because that's a lie that's not true i've broken my morals now he would have probably won that state he'd have probably become president of the united states and even if he said that to this day like people know politicians lie all the time mm-hmm. that's just the way it is like it's almost not immoral to lie in politics that's just what you do to get power it's like you do anything you can to win you know it's kind of that thing like saying from game of thrones you know when you play the game of thrones you either win or you die it's like mm-hmm. it is what it's a brutal sort of job and no one would have said anything to him but his own morality was nah and he basically threw away everything he could have achieved everything he'd worked for for years simply for his own moral beliefs mm-hmm. and you know, I suppose Socrates is the same kind of idea. It's like, no, morally, I can't do that. Mm-hmm. I have to die here. Yeah, but the other, the other side of that too was when John McCain did do that, um, the press came after him like something not normal. Yeah. Like it was, I remember reading about it and I was thinking, how can someone write something something so absurd about someone who all they wanted to do was serve their country? Yeah. And at the moment where they realized they had made a mistake, they admit it's that mistake because it felt morally wrong to them. Yeah. And they're being, he was absolutely keen. Yeah. Keen to death. And again, stepping outside of that moral, sorry, stepping outside of that social norm to say, you know what, I'm a politician. Fair enough. There is a, a an understanding that sometimes we do lie to get power, as you said, but I just don't agree with it. So I'm going to step yeah. out. But he, as I said, there was a target in his back from day one as soon as he'd done that. And you never heard of him again, no. right? Yeah. And it's, you talk about it as well. You say how the media came them for what you know i would consider quite a moral action Mm -hmm. that's the thing as well it's people can do the same thing but society will like perceive it differently so for example um among like i remember writing an essay in second year university on morality and stuff and you know the essay was basically talking about what makes that or what is morality subjective or is it objective like is it the same everywhere always or is it just fluctuating based on based on like the the time and a good example my lecturer always gave was he talked about nazi germany and he said imagine imagine nazi germany won world war ii right and he said imagine they'd ended up now it was very unlikely but it was just like that's the thing with philosophy the scenarios are mad just to get a point across but he's like imagine nazi germany had a one world war one or world war two had a conquered the globe right and let's say over 300 years they systematically wiped out anyone who oppressed them anyone that said anything different so eventually after 300 years everyone was a complete conformist right and you were born then in that period everyone was a conformist you were a conformist nobody knew anything any different and he said based on that upbringing in that situation it would be morally correct to you know follow nazi doctrine and obey the party and do whatever you know they wanted you to do because you would know no different and in that society at that time everyone would perceive that to be the moral norm the like social norm and you're like well first of all you sit and you're like nah they wouldn't and then you're like you know what they would do you know what i mean like and that's the scary thing is social norms you know people sit and they assume oh they are what they are they've always been that you know that's just the way it is like how many times do you talk to somebody and you point out point out something they've done that's absurd so i always find eating with a knife and fork right i find that so weird like if i'm in a restaurant right and i'm eating chips why would i use a knife 
or a you, fork. You yeah. just left them with your hands. Yeah, it's like a bur- eating a burger. Yeah, people cut up with a burger. It's like, and I'm like, and people will be like, um, oh, I like why? Like I remember when I was like, why not just eat that with your hands? It's easier. Oh, it's just what you do. Do you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. you're like, but why is it just what you do? Like, if I want, like, what difference does it make? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's small things like that. They just assume, oh, it's just what you do. People have always done that. That's just reality. And you're like you just say that's just what you do but why do you do it how long have you done that for did people always do that no yeah. so what makes it right in this very moment this is at this exact time and what makes it unright to what happened years ago like for example it seems sort of with the idea we're having you know killing old people right if a baby is born with a defect you know and this is all into the abortion sort of issue but like and well that's a completely different episode but let's say a baby's born with a defect right and it's no arms and no legs and you would have it would have no it's gonna have no quality of life like it's gonna be the worst quality it's gonna be in constant like i've seen a video there's a kid right and he i don't know what was wrong with him but basically he was born with this disease where basically anytime his skin touches anything it burns basically and like i can't remember the name of it but this guy this kid was in he's maybe four or five and he was in absolute agony every hour of the day 24 7 mm-hmm. like every day of the week and he would only live, like, the life expectancy was maybe 10, 15 years max. And every day of those 10, 15 years was agony. But, like, no matter, even if you knew that before, society would still frown on you if you if you aborted that kid. Or if you, you know, killed that kid after it was born. Like, you wouldn't even contemplate it. Do you know what I mean? You would go to jail. Like, if I, let's say I knew that after the kid was born and I grabbed the kid and mm-hmm. fucked it out the window. You'd go to jail and people, everyone, not one, barely anybody would turn around and be like, you know what, that was actually the right thing to do. Yeah. Because it's just seen that, oh, killing is so wrong. But you're like, well, you're not thinking about the fact that you think of the quality of life that kid's having. No one thinks about that. It's just the only thing that matters is they're alive. And I, I find that absurd. And it's, it sort of goes back, you know, the ancient Spartans, like, used to, if the baby was born with any sort of defect. Now, it was slightly different, like, if there's anything wrong mm-hmm. with it. But, like, it's the other extreme. Whereas in our society, everybody, no matter how badly deformed or whatever the baby is, will keep it. In Sparta, it was even if, if there's a slight deformation, throw it off the top of Mount Terragidos, right? Yeah. But it just shows, you know, two different societies that have two completely different moral standings and moral codes that both think are completely accurate. Yeah. What makes ours more accurate than that? Do you know and what I mean? It was a conference 2014. It was a sports conference and there was a guy called David Nusifora. He was a performance director for Irish Rugby. And he had a slide, must have been 30 odd slides. I wasn't really paying much attention. There was one slide in the middle <clears throat> that caught my attention. That's the only thing I can remember. And it said on the board, is tradition putting a handbrake on progress? And what you've just said there, if you think about the traditions that we have in our country, a lot of them are, and even in the Western world, a lot of them come from Christian values, from Christian beliefs. And those who do not believe in those values and those beliefs, I mean, values is the wrong word, but the, the beliefs in particular, um, we are still having to align by those laws, right? For example, shops opening on a Sunday, one o'clock, that's an easy one. What the fuck? <laughs> you know, that's an easy one. But in no one has really sat... Well, there has been progress recently, hasn't there, when the pubs have been opening now for, yeah, yeah, yeah. for Good Friday yeah. and stuff, which is great to see. But even still, in relation to the pubs, before you go on, like, we, like in the restaurant stuff I work, it's like Good Friday, you're not allowed to serve alcohol till five yeah. or something. 
or it's either Good Friday or Easter Sunday, one of the two. Yeah. What? Do <laughs> you know what I mean? It's it makes a, no sense. No, it's completely bad. Like, <laughs> it almost makes no sense as much as the COVID regulations make no sense yeah, right now. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> but uh, yeah, so the, what I was saying about tradition wise is that it, it's almost like um, there was like, say, 100, 200, 300 years ago, someone's put down a book and said, right, here's everything, how we should live by society. Off you go. And no, someone's put that book in a cupboard, right? And hasn't even looked at it for the last 300 years and went, oh, we're still going by those. That still makes sense. No, it doesn't. Yeah. It makes no sense. Obviously, the Bible 2000 odd, but I'm just making the example. Yeah. No, 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 books, you're right. Yeah. The book's away somewhere. I think it's like, <laughs> I don't mean it honestly. It's like people, it's kind of like, you know, when you're a kid and you, you're really gullible, um, you just believe anything your parents tell you. Like, your parents could tell you that the earth was flat and you just believe them yeah. you know you'd blindly believe them and then as you go as you grow older it's considered right well my parents most people think oh my parents talk shit and then don't believe them mm-hmm. right but what they feel to do is they then look at like things that happen in society that occur in society that are seen as social norms and they only believe them oh well all of society believes that it must be okay and you're like well what's the difference and yeah. it's kind of like I notice like is you kind of do what everyone else does, right? If someone else is doing something, like if, you, if you're if you thinking of doing something that you don't know whether it's acceptable or not, a lot of the time what you'll do is you'll look around, you know, metaphorically look around and be like, right, is anyone else doing this? Oh, that's okay, I'll do it. So it's kind of like, you know, let's say you don't know if a beach is closed or not mm-hmm. or whatever, or that's not a good example. Let's say a shop, you don't know if shop's closed and you look and there's people inside shop and you're like, oh, it must be open, I'll go in. And I kind of find, like, when I was in, so when I was in Rome traveling, right, where there's zebra crossings, they work differently. So the way their zebra crossings work is you just walk out, right, and the cars don't stop, they just go round you, right? So we came up to this roundabout and we had to get to the other side and it was maybe like six lanes wide and there was a zebra crossing, went across to the middle and then you walked around the island and then across to the other side. And we were standing at the edge of the zebra crossing for maybe five minutes. And, like, this was, like, mega busy. Like, there was no gap to get across. No car stopped. And I was like, what the fuck's going on here? So I just decided, right, fuck it. I'm just going to walk out here when there was sort of a small gap and see what happens because they're not going to run me over. Mm-hmm. I walked out and the cars just walked, like, drove around me, like, split around me and all. And not a single horn blown, nothing. That was just normal. And once I'd done that. Then everyone else who I was with went, oh, he's done that. That must be all right. I'll do it too. And, you know, in that situation, yeah, you know, it's not a moral situation, but it just shows you if you see someone else doing something, you'll think it's okay. And it's the same with, like, how people and kids mimic things. Like, you know, if, like, with football and stuff, you know, Jack Grealish wears his shin guards low. Yeah. You know, how many kids do you see then copying that sort of style? You know, LeBron James, when he started wearing the headband, Every kid playing basketball started wearing a headband. You know. But here's one for you. You go to Little, right? Yeah. And you're standing Little and there's a load of. Little or Little. There's little one. or Little. There's another <laughs> one. Yeah. It's, the queue is massive, right? And they're calling on the on the, the um, tannoy for someone to come onto the till. So you're standing there and you can see that person is behind the till. They've turned a the little green light on, but nobody's moved, right? So they're just sitting waiting for the first person to move the, in that queue. And I'm thinking to myself, well, I'm just going to move. You're not going to move. Yeah. 
and then you move and then all of a sudden you've got someone behind you moving with everyone you everyone moves yeah yeah, yeah it's yeah, like yeah. but i was four people deep in that queue and i've moved and people behind me then have moved yeah. with me do you know what i mean it's yeah. like it's almost like sheep <laughs> mentality like you'll wait until somebody else moves literally and another one is that again in the bank where we've closed the door it might be wind or something because the sensors on the outside of it it keeps the door keeps opening so we turn off the sensors and just close the door and you got to push it to open it says push on the door so it's it's a, a clue but some, self-explanatory so because they've been so used to the door opening by itself they'll just stand there and then <laughs> yeah. if they stand there the next person and yeah. nobody ever questions oh let's just push the door let's just try and <laughs> see yeah yeah <laughs> no man honestly you're absolutely right and it's like um like i it, it's small things like that i think are the more sort of absurd ones you know there are bigger issues you know about church and you know getting married and all that sort of stuff but it's smaller things like that that i just find so so odd like a one that's always got me always is leave a light on because people think you're in <laughs> and i'm like what like if someone's gonna rob my house they're gonna rob it anyway yeah they're not gonna see one light on and be like oh they're in i'll rob it and everyone leaves their lights on now mm-hmm. so it's not even a like you know something that you can even look at to see and i I just like what the fuck like and it's stupid things like that that I've always thought to myself that doesn't make any logical sense like why does anyone do that but because their parents have done it before them they're like okay well they've done it I'll do it it's the same with um you know like alarms like people have alarms in their houses if someone breaks into your house you're going to hear them right do you know what I mean like why do you need an alarm like you're gonna hear them whether they're there or not and then it's like all right fair enough if you have an alarm and you set it when you're away on holidays that's different but in that situation i'm just like what the fuck like it just doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever and it's the same with um i'm trying to think what else really fucks food go ahead i was gonna say um leaving the light on for the dog is another one yes man daddy all the time make sure you leave that lamp light on for the dog why yeah <laughs> i'm pretty sure the dog can see just fine yeah, and yeah. it never moves anyway yeah and when it gets lazy it pisses in its bed <laughs> do you know what i mean yeah. the dog is not worried where that light on is on or not yeah, but yeah. again that's something that has just been ingrained by maybe their mom or dad doing it and then all of a sudden because now they've got a dog yeah they do it but they don't question why i don't understand like and it's the same like i think with different generations like i think our generation's a lot more sort of i don't open would i say with individuals like my mom will always be like, lock the front door. Oh, uh, make sure you don't watch out for people who'll steal that. Don't leave a fiver sitting on the passenger seat in your car because yeah. someone's going to smash the window so to steal it. That's it's funny you say that because I would try and get out maybe three or four times a walk just around Port Rush or something. Um, and maybe I'm recording an episode of the podcast and I want to listen to it back and stuff. So I'll maybe go out at like 11 o'clock at night, maybe half 10, 11 o'clock at night. And you want to hear it. Make sure you've got your phone on you. Make sure you go where it's light. It's not dark because they have a perception that where it's dark, it's dangerous. Yeah, yeah. People are just going to come. They're going to jump on me. Yeah. Why are they going to jump on me? Well, I've got an IFA coat. Is that valuable? <laughs> <laughs> what sort of mean? Yeah, you yeah. have my coat, mate. Where you go? <laughs> but th- that's the thing. I'm like, oh, make sure that you take that yeah, phone. There hasn't mate. been a yeah. attack in Portrush for fifty years, <laughs> but sure. And I, I think that's kind of a what's the word like, and like an edge or an evolutionary thing. Yeah. the darkness you know there's danger yeah. yeah and i think you know it's kind of the same there are a lot of things i can think you can look at for social norms that you know are from you know sort of a evolutionary point of view and it's i think with groups mm-hmm. like naturally if you're out with somebody and it, like if you're out in an area that's dark right 
and you're on your own, you're going to be more uptight than if there's four of you, right? Yeah. But at the same time, if someone walks around the corner with a gun, that doesn't matter. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But you just naturally feel safer because obviously back in the day, if there was four of you and a, you know, a bear came around the corner, you're more likely to be able to fend it off. But if someone comes around with a gun, you're fucked. Yeah, but yeah. you still naturally feel, I don't know, better protected. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So I think you can maybe look at some social norms that do exist and see them as a part of the evolutionary process yeah. which yeah which again i i also think you mentioned earlier on about the christmas cards and that social acceptance because obviously back in the day when we were hunter and gatherers we were building our communities it was there was safety in numbers and you always wanted yeah. to be part of that community yeah and that's essentially what the christmas card is it's staying part of that community yeah i never even thought about it. that's a very good uh, yeah yeah you feel like part of a bigger group yeah. or and I, yeah i think that's the thing with like loneliness as well like over lockdown and all i was flat out you know, on the PlayStation and stuff at night, mainly not even to play it, just to be in communication with people. And it is when you feel you're talking to people and you're, you know, even if they're not there, and but you just know you're talking to them and they realize that you're there too and stuff, you do just feel more sort of warm and cozy mm-hmm. and comfy and stuff. I don't, I, I know exactly what you mean. Like, and it brings me on to another societal norm about being cozy and stuff. Um, Just before we finish, men having to pay for food and dates with women. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? What is that all about? Like, now, don't get me wrong, that has changed a lot. Like, it's not like that anywhere near as bad as it used to be. I mean, I've been there in a situation myself where, not that I've wanted the other person to, her to get her card out and say, I'll pay for this, you know, I'll do it. Again, it's probably a politeness that I, I yeah. think is politeness, but whether she expects it or not is the, is the That's key. That's the difference, yeah. That's There's the nothing key. wrong, like, if I'm out on... You know, she offers to pay and she wants to pay. Fair enough. But at the same time, if she doesn't offer, I'll pay. You know, yeah, it's yeah. just... But would you let her? That's the thing. Yeah, oh yeah, 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 yeah. 100%. Of course it would. Do you know what I mean? It'd be... What's the word? It would be hypocritical of me not to. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, it'd be different if, let's say she paid the last five times. Then if she went to pay, I'd be like, no, fuck off. Because yeah. you've got it, you know, the last couple of times. But like, just letting it... And it's, it's just as bad. It's you telling her, no, it's all right, I'll pay even after she offers. Mm-hmm. It's just as bad. You know what I mean? Like, if she wants to pay, let her pay. Do you know what I mean? And it kind of instills that idea. I remember talking to a radical, like, Marxist feminist <laughs> um, at uni, and she actually said that she was talking about reverse feminism and the idea that doing things for women that you think are nice mm-hmm. are actually what's holding them back. Um, and I don't know. It's not, like, it's not my field of expertise. But basically what she said was, you know, holding the door open for a woman perceives that, oh, I can't hold it myself. I can't walk through that without you holding it for me type mm. thing. And like, you know, you paying kind of instills the belief that, oh, well, I earn money too. Are you trying yeah. to, like, it's instills the belief that, oh, I don't earn money. So you have to pay for me because I'm a stay-at-home mom or, do you know what I mean that way? Yeah. And I can see that viewpoint as well. Because um, I think maybe that comes from like a an older sort of tradition that, well, when women did stay at home and looked after the kids, Obviously, the man would pay because he's yeah. the one out earning the money. Well, here's one for you. And this this fascinates me because I work in the bank. Ever look, if you get mum or dad's statement and they've got a joint account, whose name's first? The woman, probably. The dad. Is it? Man before woman, yeah. All the time? The majority of the time yeah. you look at them, it'll be the man first. And when they write out to them, if it's a joint account, they will name the man first. Mr. G. Devaney and Mrs. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. That'll never be the woman first. And it's like... There, there's no rule book to say that yeah. should be the way. That's just the way it's always been done, which 
you know, you hear the corny phrase, that's the way it's always been done as the, the most English yeah. language and the or phrase in English language. But that's true. Yeah, that, that's no, it, it is. Yeah. And it's almost like, because I, I tell you why, I was writing out to somebody today, I had a, a sent a check back and the, the account was in joint name. And that's where it really like, it made me think about tonight. I was going, I'm going to write the woman's name first. And I did. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you never even think about that. Like, um, oh, that is weird. Like, it's also kind of like, um, you know, like referring to sports stars by their surname. Yeah, I get why, you. Yeah. Why is that? Like, it's kind of like, like I was watching Formula One the other day and, and, you know, it came to me, all their names are down the side and it's like Russell, Ocon, Hamilton, Verstappen. And I'm like, imagine that just said Max, Lewis, George. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, why is it done the other way around? It's just like if someone referred to me as Moore, I'd be like, what? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, I, but like in sport, it's just seen as, seen as acceptable. Do you know what I mean? And I don't know why that is. Like, the only, the only logical reason I can think of is if you got similar first names. But then if you have similar the, second names, well, that's do you know true. what I mean? Yeah, like, because yeah, yeah. you always G Nev and P Nev. You see that? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, I just yeah. don't. And like, you've you'll have like, um, you know, like it's kind of. Like, it's kind of like if you have the same surname, they just then call you by both. Do you know what I mean? Like, if someone has the same surname, like, let's say there was, like, um, Zach Johnson and Dustin Johnson, right, both playing the PGA Tour. So, whenever Dustin's playing, Dustin will just get either Dustin or DJ as nickname or Dustin Johnson. Mm -hmm. Zach will either get Zach or Zach Johnson. So, why is it not the other way around where people get their first name and then if they have the same first name as someone else, then they get their surname? Do you know what I mean? yeah. Why has it, do you know what emerged yeah. the other way? I just don't understand that at all. And it's the same with naming things like surnames, first yeah. names. Why are cars women? You know, yeah, you hear, oh, like car and she, she, she look, look, look at the her. boats and all. Yeah, it's like, yeah. what's that all about? <laughs> I don't understand that at all. That's, that is a weird, that baffles me that like, like, oh, she's, she's beautiful and she's, she's low, that one. Like, what? Like, it's an it. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, I've never understood that. Do you know, my, my little nephew's got into cars. He's, what, six or seven now. And that's all he eats from Balamoni. She's got a proper culture yeah. accent. That's all he says. I she's cutting low, she, she, you want to see what I got, Gary? She's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, what? what? Like, goes, imagine what? Just play beautiful? football. Just play yeah. football. <laughs> no that's so weird uh i that baffles me that one like i'm always like it mm-hmm. it's a it's it's a nice car yeah, and yeah. people will be like oh she's love <laughs> i know that baffles that, that it's almost like ownership in many yeah, ways isn't yeah, it? yeah 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 like yeah it almost is like a sort of weird patriarchal yeah. like oh she's lovely like you never mine. get up you'd never get a, a, a woman say yeah. she's lovely i don't think do you know <laughs> what i mean about a car yeah it's kind of like yeah like a guy being like oh she's lovely as if it's like his girl or something yeah which is Ugh, that's fucking horrible <laughs> when you think of that, that like that maybe that is an ingrained yeah. uh, an ingrained sort maybe, of maybe I don't know that's, oh that is weird that um, yeah I, I, do you have anything else any closing thoughts before we uh, no just no. it was it was great to be here it was yeah. a great conversation um, thank you very much for coming on um, for anyone that's listened this far um, that was obviously Gary Defenny from the Think Curiously podcast if you type it into Spotify weirdly uh, unlike mine if you type it into spotify it comes up straight away um <laughs> so you'll not have any issue finding it uh, he also has instagram page and facebook page um obviously if you just type in the same things you'll find it as well um but yeah thanks for coming on gary um and thanks everybody for listening